0: Welcome to Sound Criticism. My name is Michael Beagley and I'm really happy that you've joined me here today as we embark on this journey together through the world of audio. Sound Criticism is shop talk for the professional audio creative. It works as an educational supplement for aspiring artists, and it's also an entertaining look behind the scenes for enthusiasts who are just curious about how sounds are made in this show. We'll look closely at a video game or perhaps another piece of media and we'll try to break down the inner workings of what makes it sound so good. Since this is the first episode, I wanted to take a moment and get some terms out of the way. Feel free to skip ahead to the review portion of the episode if you want, as this intro is a little longer than our other intros will be. So here we go with some terms. When we listen critically, it's important to break down the audio of the whole project into smaller sections. We might hear ambient sounds, for example, like the sound of a forest, or a busy street, or a sports game. Ambience is crucial for immersing the listener into the environment of that game or movie. Our next section is sound effects. Sometimes we hear abstract sound effects, such as this sci-fi door opening, which doesn't exist in the real world, and so the sound designer is tasked with creating the sound effect using a bunch of techniques that we'll learn about. Other sound effects we hear are more natural, Footsteps are a perfect example. Oftentimes, a sound designer will record fully, which means that they themselves will walk and record the sound. Or they might squish vegetables in order to get totally gross horror movie sounds. In the movies there are even professional foley artists whose sole job is to mimic what's on screen. Next, we have the music of the game. This one is pretty self-explanatory. Everybody knows what music is. But we'll listen closely and try to find unique techniques being used by composers today. Sometimes in a game, and definitely in a movie, we'll have dialogue. Voice actors, dialogue recorders, directors, coaches, and editors all need to work together in order to make dialogue sound good on a project. The last section we're going to talk about is the GUI, the GUI, the Graphical User Interface. This is a fancy term for all the menus and buttons that may appear in the game. The right button sound or shimmer can really make a game come alive. I challenge you to play a cell phone game and try and notice just how important all those button sounds are to your experience. Okay, that's enough about the sections for now. We'll talk more about them as they come up. Let's get started with episode one. In episode one, I'm reviewing the game Cave Blazers, which is a 2D randomly generated permadeath indie game. The game has done really well in 2017. It has earned a lot of well-deserved praise, and we're gonna take a closer listen to how it sounds. And, as an aside, it's really hard. If you like to play difficult games, give Cave Blazers a try. It's really hard to play. I was dying so many times, even on the introductory levels. I got a chance to sit down with the composer of the music for Cave Blazers, Paul Zimmerman, and we had a chat about his process as well as video game music as a whole. So without further ado, here is our Sound Criticism Episode 1 Review of Cave Blazers with special guest Paul Zimmerman. Enjoy! So, hello Paul, moin moin, and welcome for joining us. Hello from Germany. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Our audience should know Paul and I have something in common. I used to live in Hamburg, and so Paul's coming from uh, just outside of Hamburg right now. He's calling us from there. So Paul's the composer for Cave Blazers. We're really excited to have him here today. Uh, I want to talk a bit about your history, about how you got into games, Paul. So so what are some... uh, You probably studied music for a while... Um, but what are some games that maybe inspired you to get into writing music for video games?
1: Right, so writing for music, uh, writing for video games was kind of something that evolved naturally for me. I started playing music when I was around 15 and mostly rock and pop then and always writing music and for some reason never really occurred to me until much later that... I could write music for video games. So it kind of, I've kind of grew into it. And I've always been a gamer or a person that plays video games and enjoys video games. And so it really just came to me one day that, wait, wait a second, I can write for video games. So it kind of evolved naturally. But when we're talking about video game scores or soundtracks that really inspired me, I always have to... Think of uh, three specific ones. Uh, the first one would be the score for Monkey Island or the Monkey Island series by Michael Land. Um, I played that game when I was around, I don't know, like 10, 10, 11, 12. I really loved the game and the music was amazing. And not would be the soundtrack to Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness, actually. I glanced over. And the third one would always be, uh, I think, Koji Kondo's score for uh, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of... No, Oracle of Seasons, actually. I mean, all the the Zelda games are great, but Oracle of Seasons kind of my personal favorite. Yeah, and all these, I don't know, those are very different soundtracks, but I think they all really have in common that they have great themes, are very memorable, and... I guess that's in some kind what I would strive for as well in my music if it's possible or if memorable themes are required or fitting in the yeah. game.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's an issue with a lot of modern video game composition is much of it is straying away from thematic material and it's kind of there a lot of people are writing in the style where music meets ambience. Right, and yeah. the thing I noticed with what you did with Cave Blazers is it, it, it kind of, the game has a bit of a retro feel, and so you write themes, like you write, it, it's it's not just a song, it does evolve, It is it is video game music, but it's very thematic. play Breath of the Wild at all or check it out?
1: Um, not really. I mean, it's kind of strange. I listen to a lot of video game music as well. And so I know the music for for a lot of games that I haven't played ever. I uh, tend to watch Let's Plays if I'm not able to play the game because I don't have any consoles or... I mean, I'm on, on a Mac, so I'm kind of sometimes forced to... Uh, Sticking with Let's Plays because I don't really have the system for a lot of video games that come out today
0: If that's considered weird, I do the exact same thing. I don't have a switch (laughs) yet I really want a switch, but I've watched a lot of uh, Let's Plays of it because I wanted to experience, you know, the sound the music. Yeah, exactly now now I want one it worked It's good advertising. (laughs) I mean I have a Game Boy Color yeah, okay, there you go. Keeping it modern. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, I think I've got a Nintendo DS that I bought in uh, Tokyo, but that's kind of about it at the moment, at least. Right, right, right. Cool. For, for cool. me, it's always like when, when new money comes in, it's always do I spend it on music and new equipment? Or do I buy video games? And it's yeah. kind of like I have to spend it on music at the moment at least
0: (laughs) yeah when i talk to a lot of uh, programmer friends um programmers who i'm friends with and we work on projects uh they don't they don't really understand just how much gear you have to get um i think the artists maybe understand a little bit more because they're always updating their pads and those are just thousands and thousands or like they'll get a a, an ipad pro or something so the artists maybe but, but you know programmers writing code you can do it on a lot of machines you know so but a lot of them double up with other things a lot of them are musicians as well and so they get the gear but yeah there's you're right there's m- definitely
1: money to spend so you always find something you right. need sure. or you think you need so it's For always sure. expensive yeah
0: so did you have you found any games on mac uh, have you played lately do, um
1: do you play games lately um or oh, yeah. is it yeah. more writing okay um so when i I mean, there are more games nowadays for Mac. Like, many developers decide to do Mac versions as well. As, I think especially in the indie community, because it's kind of like, why won't you? I mean, with Unity, etc., it's pretty easy to do a Mac version as well. And even some of the games that aren't for Mac yet, like Cave Blazers, I've managed to play uh, via Wine on Mac. So it's, it's possible and... Yeah, I, I try really hard to play most of, of the games that come out, especially indie games, because I kind of need to be in this scene and kind of want to hear what other people are doing.
0: Yeah. But Let's Plays are the easiest way. That's my opinion. I, I watch Let's Plays while I'm doing the dishes or something. That's how I keep up with games. Um, I try to play games every week. But sometimes weeks get past me. You're right about the Macintosh thing though. My girlfriend has a Mac and um we even played Bioshock on it. Steam is really good oh, cool yeah, for yeah. Mac games. Yeah. You know? Um we played Portal. We play we've uh all the Civ games uh come out for Mac. Yeah, there's a ton of games out for Mac.
1: Yeah, so. I've just been playing uh, uh Civ 5, I think. Yeah. So it's possible and it's it's fun. <laughs> Works. I
0: own Civ 6 and it scares me because it's a civ game and you know they take up so
1: much time. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. tried the uh, I've tried to play multiplayer with Civ and I mean it's fun for some time but it later on when you have like 20 cities and I don't know how many units it like one player takes around 20 minutes to to finish the Finish this round, so it's really oh, it kind of gets tedious after a while. <laughs> but it's fun. Civ's another hard, yeah.
0: Civ's another great game with uh with regards to sound design. Um, just the different layers that they use with Civ and all the different sound effects that they do. It's just really, I think that's why I get sucked into the one more turn. If it weren't for the <laughs> sounds, I feel like I could walk away. If I could play Civ on mute, I don't think I'd play it as long. Right. Yeah. Know? So, definitely. Um. Yeah, I hear you though about. Wanting to play more games, but there's never enough time. But Cave Blazers has that retro feel. And I've noticed I've been picking up more modern retro games, if you follow me. Um, oh, yeah. This yeah. Is, yeah, indie games have this kind of Super Nintendo-ish feel, but these games could never appear on Super Nintendo because they're all way too complex. Like Cave Blazers, um, it has... Oh, gosh, I lost the word. Uh, it They, like, randomly generate the maps. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the generative process. So, like, the kind of Spelunky-type feel. So, yeah, it's a really great time to, to get into that stuff. So, uh, how did you get the gig? Are you friends with the guys from Cave Blazers? Or did you, how did you find the gig to become the writer for Cave Blazers?
1: Right. So, I mean, that's kind of like, I guess, for many uh, composers, especially when you're starting out, that's kind of the most interesting questions, uh, question, I think. Like, how do you actually get the gig? But uh, honestly, it's not really, there isn't really a special method to it. I found that uh, for me, Twitter is really one of the best sources for me to be updated about new games coming out, being in development. So I actually tend to just scroll through my timeline and see if something pops up. And then I basically just contact the people if I feel like That's a game I'm really interested in and something I could write for. So that's basically what happened with Cave Blazers. For some reason, I stumbled upon some images or GIFs, I think. And yeah, it was pretty early in development, I think, at that point. So I felt like maybe they don't have a composer yet, which is always kind of, most of the time, they do already have someone. So it's kind of a hit-and-miss situation, but... Yeah, I just wrote. It's uh, it's just one developer. His name is Will Lewis, and I just wrote him and t- told him, yeah, would love to do something. And he listened to s- some stuff, wrote for other games, and I prepared some demos for him. And yeah, basically went from there. It was kind of, yeah. Well, okay, let's do this.
0: Yeah. So so you found some stuff online. Um, where was he posting this stuff? Uh, was it on Twitter? Is is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, that was on Twitter. Like. I mean, they use all kinds of hashtags like uh, game dev or indie dev or indie game, and I just tend to follow mostly only developers on Twitter and artists and just generally people involved in the games industry, just so that I'm able to see what's what's coming out and kind of like be the first one to find a new interesting game and be the first one to contact them because I know that developers tend to get a lot of males, especially from composers. So it's really, sometimes it's actually really about being the first one to find the game and contact them.
0: Right, right. And right.
1: Then, then having some good music, of course, as well, but that initial contact is really uh, sometimes tricky. And yeah, with this, with Cave Blazers, it worked worked out for me, so, hey. <laughs> yeah, it worked out really well. And
0: Cave Plays is um, a really successful game right now. So it's, uh, yeah. Good on you. It's, um, what, what are some other projects that you've worked on in the past?
1: Um, one of the first games I worked on was called Trench Run. It was kind of similar to Cave Blazes in that uh, it had a 2D kind of retro graphic style. But we decided to go with real instruments. So not go the route where we also do chip tunes or some other lo-fi or nostalgic audio. We went with, with real in- instruments recorded. So that was actually kind of like a lot of games. I've worked on they they do tend to have 2D graphics and more I wouldn't say high fidelity audio but more modern produced audio. But I've also written some some chip tunes and I really love it actually but it can be, become quite I don't know. I feel it feels like the 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 market for it it's kind of saturated at the moment. <laughs> like a lot of games use that kind of 2D graphics and chip tune approach so i really tend to want to to try to get real instruments and modern production into there as well
0: yeah and you can always blend uh for instance you use some synthesizers during the boss battles for uh, yeah exactly and that kind of blend having the chiptune skill set is important uh i definitely i still write a couple chiptunes but i barely ever do it um i I write a song that's only chiptune so I, i i like blending kind of kind of how you've done in the boss battles. So, yeah, it's it's effective. It, it gives you that feel, but you don't have to get away from it.
1: Exactly. It kind of, like, the player's player is reminded of that sound. It's kind of a bit nostalgic, but if you combine it with new stuff, it's, it's really great. It sounds good.
0: Well, and it almost gets into, like, this is what Wagner would do with, like, a, a motif, or this is what uh Beethoven would do with a variation. This is when you get into this level of composition, you can just insert little chip tunes as if to remind the listener, "Hey, by the way, right, yeah. you're playing a 2D <laughs> side scroller," you know? So yeah. so to hear about this other than how did you get the gig this is definitely the second most popular question out there right um what is your process like uh i i feel like with composers instead of asking boxers or briefs we say like what's your doll so so what's your doll that you use (laughs) what uh what kind of gear that you use? We see one of your microphones for sure, but what's what's some of your favorite gear that you use, and maybe what's some of the stuff that you used for Cave Blazers? You talked about using real instruments versus using samples, so just run us through your process a little bit.
1: Right. So on on Cave Blazers, I mean my my door is Logic on a Mac, and there's really no no reason to it other than Logic being the first door I really got got to use. So it's kind of I know how to use it and now i'm staying with it because i'm too lazy to switch and learn something new maybe one day but probably not probably not yeah (laughs) yeah i'm the same way
0: with i'm the same way with reason i learned it in college and i use pro tools occasionally and i use studio one also out of hamburg studio one's a good one but um but i tell you the first one it's 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 yeah the first one's always the best one because they're all the dolls today are all really good so you don't yeah, you don't like,
1: lose, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, I'm not kind of like I'm not the guy that that will go out and tell people you have to use logic and <laughs> because it's the best. I'm not kind of like preacher a preacher about it. It's just it's a tool, so it works for me. And yeah, that's for many things the the thing. And for cave places, yeah, I fused, yeah. Almost entirely, or I think entirely, I've used uh, sample instruments. I really like the stuff from East West, the orchestral stuff, and I've bought for the more medieval or, yeah, the more medieval instruments, I've bought the um, Era Medieval Legends, I think it's called. It's a sample library um, that specializes, yeah, in medieval instruments and kind of like European sound historic sounds and that's mostly it for some of the uh, synthesizers I've used uh, native instruments massive I really like that one they have some great sounds and you can really do a lot with it and yeah that's basically it so it's not really something secret or something totally out of the ordinary it's just like again it's it's just tools so I mean I feel like sometimes people get get hung up on that question too much. Like always when I see uh, game developers post footage of their games, there's always a question, which uh, engine did you use? <laughs> which which uh, pad or which programming language? It's kind of like people want to know the tools because they think that the tools make the games, but it's like it's a person that uses the tool. So i totally agree it's yeah. not so much about the tool but it's about your knowledge and what you can do with it like there are a lot of crappy games that are made on unity but there are also <laughs> yeah. totally amazing games right, with unity with like amazing graphics etc so it's really not not the tool that's, that that d- defines what what the output would be
0: and there's terrible music made in logic and in reason exactly and it's just, you know it's yeah i hear you i hear you uh for sure i i'm I'm guilty, I have to ask the question though, cause you know, it's shop talk. It's everybody wants to talk yeah. about what's, what's your gear, what's it's under true. the hood, you know. It's
1: <laughs> the next question I guess would be like what the actual process would be. Yeah, for sure. And I've actually tried a lot, I tried around a lot with different processes like, do I start in the door with a huge template and try out a lot of different instruments? Do I start in Sibelius and write in actual score, etc. And one thing I now do and I did for Cave Blazers, I've, I'm a really huge fan of piano sketches. So especially for main themes or tracks that will have really important themes or, or yeah, start on the piano. And work out the team uh, themes there because when I have a huge template and logic and go in there, I tend to kind of get lost in the all the different sounds. So I, I tend to play around a lot and oh now a shallow here and I'm putting some drums into here. But it's not really the core of the music. It's what, what it's about. So it should be about the harmony and the melody interacting and being in this case, memorable or thematic. And I found that it's really easier to start on the piano, just work it out. It could be even like a totally crappy sketch. Like the sketches I did for Cave Blazers are horrendous. I couldn't (laughs) show them to anyone. (laughs) It's just like really crappy piano playing, just block chords in one hand and the melody in the, uh, the right hand. But when you have that down, it really gets just easier from there because you know what the melody is and you know what the basic harmony should be and you can go into your massive template and just think about okay what instrument is going to play what and for me it's a lot easier to to do it that way.
0: So you separated the melodic and harmonic thematic content writing from the orchestration process? And exactly, I, yeah. Yeah, that's that's when I write thematic stuff. That's what I always try to do. Um is one of my favorite composers, and oh, yeah. he was primarily a, a piano sketcher. That that's kind of why he's famous. He just did piano sketches, but everybody knows uh, the orchestrations done by list of, for instance, pictures. Um, so yep. there's some really fantastic. Uh, Mazurski orchestral pieces, but really if you listen to them on piano you listen to the man's brain at work You know you and and to to capture that in video games, especially when you're writing thematic themes uh, That was redundant, especially when you're writing thematic <laughs> material um, th- That's that's what yeah That's a great way to have the process because I get lost in the
1: orchestration orchestrations overwhelming, you know Yeah, because it's like so many possibilities and you, when you don't really know, when you have to orchestrate and write the melody and the harmony, etc. I mean, there are probably people that can do it, and sometimes I've done it. But I've, I find that it's much easier when I know what's actually going to be played. And I have more time to actually focus on just the orchestration and the arrangement, etc. So you played
0: rock and pop also. So it's kind of like, instead of focusing on writing a good chorus you're mixing in the hi-hat and the bass drum. You know, it's it's kind yeah, of like yeah.
1: the, like the mixing is the last for a reason. It's like a, a good pop song, a, a good pop and rock song should work fine on the piano or the just the guitar and the singer. It should be so amazing already that all you have to do is just add some drums and bass and some other stuff and it just enhances it, but it, it doesn't really define the whole song. So yeah, that's kind of my approach, I guess.
0: One of the things I picked up on when I was listening to the music you wrote for Cave Blazers is that you do write melodies. You write really solid melodies and harmonies, but you also write really awesome ostinatos. So <laughs> is, is that something that you're really into, like the left hand? You know, it's not quite a melody, but just this, this ostinato, especially during boss battles. It's just really ostinato heavy with the synths. It works. I like that. What's, right, what's yeah. your process for thinking up an ostinato?
1: Good question. I think like... Um that kind of goes back to the a more rock approach like i feel that's something that uh, hans zimmer has done with uh, in film music a lot he will kind of use the lower string section kind of like a guitar that plays a riff so you don't the strings don't play long legato notes but he'll have a kind of a riff and that kind of yeah i don't know it really gives especially during boss battles or more epic, <laughs> to use that word, uh, tracks, it really gives, gives it that, that drive because it's rhythmic. And yeah, I don't know, it, I guess it just sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, right, that's, it, yeah.
1: And that's what, I, what I, I, especially on one track from the Cave Blazer soundtrack, it's for the level uh, Fungal Grotto. Player is kind of like in a infested level, and it's one of the last levels. It gets really hard around there, so I felt like using the lower uh, strings uh, kind of like a, almost like you would use a metal guitar kind of riffing. I felt like what was really appropriate to what the, the player would feel like in that situation. And it's kind of but it's orchestral, so it really has that big feeling uh, epic hero feel it's kind of like a level where it's infested my mushrooms and it's one of the later levels in the game so it gets really hard around there and it's it's a dark level it, like yeah, not, of, not a lot of light, and I felt like using the lower strings, kind of like you would use a rock guitar, like riffing, was really appropriate because it kind of, it gave the sound, uh, that kind of grunge you would get from rock or metal, but at the same time also really had that epic or more, yeah, heroic, big feeling. So it kind of felt like there was a good good sound for that level especially. Yeah.
0: Uh, did you get to hear the sound effects before you composed and did you take the sound effects in the mind
1: when you were composing at all? Uh, yeah, actually yes, but, um, I asked uh, will the developer to like when I the fir- When I first came on the on the project I asked him to send me uh, gameplay footage because I usually try to gameplay footage when I start writing I will actually pull up the video in, in Logic so I can actually see the game uh, playing while I write the music and yeah the game already had uh, most of the sound effects in it I think and it really helps when when writing the music because you kind of have to take it into account what happens sonically as uh, uh, with the sound effects as well so you, you kind of don't want to overwhelm the whole uh, audio spectrum by writing that should only be listened to without sound effects. So, yes, to make it short, yes, I did take it into account.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally so, agree. Um, the, the, when I try to write music when the sound effects are already written, I try to make space for, uh, like, sonic space, whether it's the frequencies or whether it's the actual um, like the frequencies as far as in mixing, like an EQ. Did you perhaps uh, use any EQs to filter out some stuff where you could maybe hear a sword slash or hear something else?
1: Um, I, I think time. I really had to take uh, the the sound effects into account, or was during the boss battle, or actually at the start of the boss battle there. Short cues that kind of, uh, kind of, there's a short musical cue for each uh, boss. And those are like two seconds long or so. At the, at the same time that cue plays, there's also other sounds, so I had to take that into account. But other than that, not really. Like, I basically just wrote the music, and mixing-wise, I didn't really have to take, or I didn't take a lot into account what was happening sound-wise. Like, that's also kind of like, will the, the developer would then? Mix the music into the game like he did the implementation basically in game maker So he would adjust audio levels or whatever he needed so that the whole audio the whole soundtrack including the audio was uh, the sound effects would be okay and sounding good. Yeah
0: Yeah, that was my next question was about uh, oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah another gear question Uh, (laughs) Sorry about that the the obligatory gear questions. Um so you said he was using GMS. Um was this this is uh one of one of the professors I worked with, she talked about how this is perhaps an asset canon. So you just you just shoot out songs um over Dropbox or over email or something. Was that how this project was working? Um I, I think we've all been there. I think we've all done an asset canon project, and it can really turn out well, like cave blazers, so
1: yeah, basically, that was it. Like, I don't really have much knowledge with uh, GameMaker Studio. And, yeah, basically, I just wrote the pieces. And as soon as they were kind of, like, green-lighted, so to speak, yeah. uh, I put them in a Dropbox and Will could drag them into the game and adjust whatever he needed to adjust volume-wise. But other than that, uh, uh, yeah, that was basically it we did try to do some kind of, I wouldn't call it adaptive audio, but during the final boss battle, we have diff, uh, three different layers. There are, there are three, uh, three different boss stages. And so I would just export some part of the layer and Will would then be able to to fade that in when the, when the next stage of the boss battle was uh, playing. So... But other than that, I just dropped the pieces into a Dropbox, and he implemented everything.
0: Nice. Did he give you any interesting edits over the process? Uh, any anything from the process that you know you'd like to share?
1: Um, like, like what do you mean? Like, f- for example,
0: did you give him a, a draft of the music, and he says, "Ooh, can you change this little part?" Or
1: did he just say, "Oh yeah,
0: okay, okay." Was there anything interesting that pops out?
1: Let's see. Um, yeah, I always I always send drafts of the music. I never really just finish a track completely and then send it off. So a track will go uh, drafts and uh, reworks, etc. Because I kind of feel like I need that input from the developer and it's much easier to fix something early on than write a whole queue and then... <laughs> that doesn't really work at all. So I always send draft inversions. And I mean, one thing that mostly popped up was, uh, that will really wanted the, the soundtrack to be kind of fast and kind of rhythmic. Like, so th- with cave players, one of my approaches beside the piano sketching was to actually, uh, write i wouldn't say beats or like write drum tracks first because will always uh, really wanted to have that kind of make backbone to the whole yeah gameplay i guess because it's kind of fast paced and it's kind of hectic and so he really wanted that, that percussive or rhythmic feel there so i would re- write percussive uh, sections uh, first as well sometimes yeah
0: would you write in a loop? Did you try to come up with like, you'd have a loop and, and a grid and you try to place things kind of like a drum machine, but maybe with different
1: sounds? Yeah, I think on some tracks I did that, especially on the the boss battle. I think I did that where I would really start with the, with the whole drum backbone and then think about what, what other things I could add to it. Yeah. So sometimes, yes. Yeah.
0: Cool. Cool, cool. Uh, is there is there anything you would shift? Is there anything if if given the opportunity to redo Cave Blazers? Is there anything you would try differently, perhaps?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting question because I mean a lot of times you really suffer from. I don't know if it's perf- perfectionism or if it's just not wanting to let go of. A specific piece because you kind of feel like you have to tweak and you have to tweak and add and change one of the things i really like about writing music for clients like uh, with video game music because there are deadlines and at some point you kind of have to decide okay that's that's now it because otherwise when you're just uh, sitting at home and writing music just for yourself you tend to Maybe never even finish something because you kind of redo and change and think, oh, maybe I should add this here and there. So, yes, there are, I think, I think with every project, there's always that kind of feeling, especially afterwards, because you feel like you've learned a lot during the process of doing a project. So, afterwards, you feel like, damn, if (laughs) I would start the project now with the knowledge I have now gained. During that process, maybe I would do it differently. But then again, it's always the same because you always learn. You always hopefully get better. And There's always that feeling that maybe there's this. I could have done better or changed. So I guess, yes. But at the same time, I'm also kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with, with the result. And I'm happy to say at some point, to let go and say okay that's now finished especially when the developer tells me I really like it and it works for the game then it really helps me to say okay that's (laughs) basically I mean that's that's my job in an in, in in essence to to write something that the developer wants and really likes and it's a huge bonus for me when I say I like it as well and I feel like it's great as as well but yeah. So it really helps to have another person telling me, yeah, it's good. Or it can really help to have another person telling me, no, Paul, this is total crap. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't use it at all. And then, yeah, that's another situation. And then I'm happy to, to do work as well. So, yeah.
0: I'm looking forward to when I meet my first developer that actually tells me, Michael, it's total crap. I'm waiting. I'm waiting because <laughs> so far I just get like the diplomacy, they say, Well maybe you could just shift the They're like just tell me. Just tell me if it's rubbish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I can take it. But I hear you. It's it's hard to it's hard to give up our pieces. Um and because because we know that a year later Two years later, we're gonna look back and, and, and wince and say, ooh, did I really make that decision? I probably should. <laughs> but um, you know, as one composer to another composer, I really like Cave Blazers. I think you did a bang up job. Really good Thanks. work. Um and I especially love that you fought the trope of, of the tempo increase during the boss battle and you brought it down. Right, yeah. It got it really serious, you know? And I like the the kind of the the really rhythmic feel um it, it reminds me there are some really good retro games that might not use they might use chip tunes but like i'm thinking you know batman for nes there's some really good kind of rhythmic driving side scroller uh themes and and you need that rhythm so i'm glad that he told you to do that because you delivered so it's really quality thanks yeah thanks i appreciate it all right i want to thank you so much paul for joining us today before we go Could you tell our listeners how they can follow you, where they can listen to some more of your music, and where they can check out um, some of the projects that you're working on?
1: Right. So my website would be paul-zimmerman.com. Zimmerman Zimmerman with two M and two N at the end. Kind of like the English folks tend to omit the last N sometimes. (laughs) I've been thinking about changing my name, but then again, probably not. (laughs) um yeah and on twitter you can find me under pz under slash music i think i'm most uh, most active on, t- uh, on twitter actually so you can follow me there and tweet me your questions or if you want to want me to write you some music ask me and i will say no no i'll say yes <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you can find me on soundcloud but all that info is on my website as well so that's really the main the main place you can go to find out anything you need from me or about me
0: yeah, the Zimmerman thing definitely tripped me up. I've met a lot of Zimmermans <laughs> in my life. You're the first one with two N's, so you got Yeah, that's, me. A, that's a German version. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. All right. Sorry. Well, th- <laughs> so, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. Um, sure, yes. Thank you really, for having me. Yeah, yeah. i um, really glad we got to kick things off with uh, a fellow hamburger. So, yeah, <laughs> really excited to have you. And everybody, go check out Cave Blazers. Go check out Paul and go listen to some really good quality music um, for video games. So thanks a lot, Paul. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Hey, what's up everyone? This is Michael from the future. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing that first interview with Paul. Uh, We had a really good time. If you couldn't tell, we were laughing a lot by the end of the episode. So thanks a lot for watching or listening. Um, to this sound criticism episode 1 looking forward to doing this podcast um, getting episode 2 out there pretty soon so a couple quick housekeeping things I wanted to do before we leave Uh, check out paulzimmerman.com so this is p-a-u-l hyphen z-i-m-m-e-r-m-a-n-n dot com and stay up to date on everything that Paul's up to so that's P-A-U-L hyphen Z-I-M-M-E-R-M-A-N-N.com and see what Paul's up to. Also, Paul uses Twitter a lot, so check him out on Twitter dot twitter.com slash P-Z underscore music. So his Twitter handle is at P-Z underscore music. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Cave Blazers. Be sure to check out Cave Blazers on Steam. And on the humble store. I got it as part of a humble bundle. So also they have a website that's rupec.com slash cave blazers. R-U-P-E-C-K dot slash cave And if you forget it, I just googled Caveblazers and it came up real quick. So it'll be there in case you forget. But rupec.com slash caveblazers. I hope you guys really liked sound criticism. So this is still a work in progress. This is episode one. Um I kinda like the format. Um This interview and putting in clips of the actual work itself interspersed. So, you know, we'll figure this out in a couple episodes. I'm going to try to get another episode done in December. So that way we can have two going into the new year. And um, if you guys want to check us out on iTunes and subscribe and YouTube and also subscribe and follow us there and uh, send us your feedback. Um, You can get a hold of us at contact.soundcriticism at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you have a suggestion for who to have as a guest maybe or maybe a format suggestion, um, open to anything. This is a learning progress, uh, learning process for me as well. So thanks a lot for checking out episode one. Looking forward to showing you guys episode two, hopefully here in the near future. Thanks and have a nice day.